Welcome to Echoes Down the Road, a podcast presented by the band West of House. My name is Eric, and we thank you for joining us for Episode 5, Chasing After Memories. Lance, Tommy, and Kevin will be joining me as we talk about this intimate song that weaves through the tapestry of a decades-long relationship. It's all about the love today. Welcome back. Welcome to episode five of Echoes Down the Road, the official West of House podcast. Sponsored, presented, produced, and given to you by your West of House band members. My name is Eric. And I'm Lance. This is Tommy. I am Kevin. <laughs> oh my gosh. Kevin came back. Wow. Kevin. I had my what doubts here? in episode four. I didn't know if you, he was you even were there non, in episode four. You were noncommittal. <laughs> I don't know what Or that maybe means. just mysterious. You're a mystery wrapped in an enigma and presented on a plate of conundrums. Yeah. Wow. Hey, uh, Eric. Yeah. What you drinking over there, my friend? Well, uh, you're a little ahead of me, but ah, there we go. Oh. Today, I am drinking, well, you guys can see this on Skype, not the listeners. Like uh, this is a Warheads beer by Artisanal Brew Works Extreme Sour Blue Raspberry. Mm. And doggone it. It tastes like a warhead. That sounds and if amazing. It, you know, it is. I, you've had one. Didn't I give you yeah, one, Lance? You gave me some like watermelon, wet watermelon sour or something. It was awesome. <laughs> it's so good. It's. I mean, I loved warheads when I was a kid and an adult. Uh, I guess just as an adult because they didn't have them when I was a kid. That's true. But <laughs> we haven't. They're fantastic. The. I mean, you guys can't see it, but the color of this. I guess I'll call it a beer. It's barely a beer, but it's like nuclear blue. Wait, did you put it in a like, glass? No, I'm looking in the can. Oh, okay. I mean, I could put it in a glass, but I think it just stain it. This is like someone <laughs> threw a bunch of Smurfs in a barrel and did a French press on them, and th- and this is what came out. Wow. Smurf beer. It's huh? Smurf wow. beer, but but my God, it's good. So That's if you can one. find this, these guys. Let me look on the. On the can here. Where are they from? New York. Saratoga Springs. New York. This stuff's made in New York. New, New York, York City. City. You know <laughs> what? Hey, but we talked about Six Point. They're in Brooklyn in episode yes. two. We so great things. Great things coming out of New York. And Definitely. this is, it's good stuff. Well, I've got an oldie and a goodie here. Good old Elias and Space Dust. Can never go wrong there. You you could also call it a lesion. Yeah, I like to call it Elias. You know what? We're not editing that out. We're, you better we're, not. We're leaving it in. <laughs> hey, we all come from different areas in the country. That's right. This is you from, and Eric come from you, California. You literally live two blocks away from me. <laughs> no, they're from Seattle. This Words don't lane. change just because you go north. Have you been to Canada? Like, Things change drastically. We all come from different places, but they're from Seattle. It doesn't matter where they're from because you said it wrong. Hey, Canada says everything wrong. I don't yell hey, at them. Hey, but but you know, I don't even know how the Canadians got brought into it when you're talking about Seattle, which is an American north. city, by the way. Yeah, not they're a lot That's closer right. to Canada than I am. <laughs> But I will give That's you Space fact. Dust. Space Dust is a great beer. It's good. Thank you. It, it's Thanks a macro brew. Around. I mean, it's it's distributed by one of the macro breweries, but it's still good. Fantastic. I will give you that. 8.2 uh, of heavenness. 8, 8.2? Heck yeah, my friend. That's not bad. So this should be a good episode. <laughs> Kevin, you often drink something. Indeed. I am drinking Rainier beer. The Pacific Northwest of beers. Wow. Eh. Oh, so can... you are even closer to Seattle than Lance is. How would you pronounce that hard word, Kevin? Elis. El, oh, it's a lesion. <laughs> Come on. Well done. I, See, I don't now judge you, you now Kevin. Now you're just, you're pandering to Lance. I can't even replicate it. You're, not, it. I, I you're gonna... not helping him. You're hurting him. Elias. 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 Where do you even come up with that? There's 
like three more vowels and now you're saying it it's like an artichoke in space right <laughs> it's a it's a beer hops i know it's a cute oh, little it, artichoke no he does look yeah he looks like an artichoke in space yeah, that's probably a good name to- for our next album off topic for 500 alex (laughs) it's like throwing up space particles all right and as usual tommy is drinking hot tea from the because it it's it's cold tea it settles his tummy (laughs) otherwise it gets upset because tommy is 72 years old listeners you probably didn't know this but it is true tommy is 81 years old yeah, parts of me are probably that old. Suffers from GI, I believe. He he's the six dollar man, <laughs> not to be confused and, with the six million dollar man. For six bucks, I can probably give you change. You were put together with parts from a thrift store and a slaughterhouse. This is true. <laughs> wow, that's not a goat. Was that a goat? That was a good goat. <laughs> that's what I heard. <laughs> or a sheep. So this is the perfect segue into the beautiful song we're going to be discussing today. Uh, we're going to be talking about Chasing After Memories. Isn't this a ballad? <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Shut the worst, up, Tommy. worst dad joke ever. And there it is, the token line that's in every episode. Shut up, Just Tommy. Tommy. Shut up, Tommy. I mean, really? We should probably just stop now because I don't think we can sink much lower, but we're going to damn well try. We're giving the people what they paid for. So if you're just joining us and this is your first episode, you've probably already turned it off. Uh, if, if you haven't, we are West of House, well, four-fifths of us, and we're going through our album, Crescendo of Silence, song by song. And today it's episode five. But we're on the fourth song. The first episode was us talking about the band and how we came together and the real meaning of smarch. But today, that was a Simpsons reference. You guys get, I get nothing from you. I, I get it. no playback. Lousy smarch weather. No, I was just. Lousy smarch. Thank you, Kevin. Lousy smarch weather. I was, still oh, was that a joke? Thinking about the smarch. I, I think the joke is actually learning the real meaning of winter. Do not touch Willie. But I, oh. I threw in a smarch. Don't touch Willie. <laughs> you guys are ridiculous. Okay, so we're going through all the songs. We're on Chasing After Memories. This is track four off Crescendo Silence, and we're going to give you an opportunity right now to push play on Spotify or Apple Music or Tidal or iHeartRadio or however you listen to digital music. Go ahead and give Chasing After Memories a listen, and we'll be back right after this. All right, so there you have it. You, I imagine you have tears in your eyes. Uh, wonderful, wonderful tears after hearing this ode to beauty. Mm. It was beautiful. Our first slow song on the album. So the demo for this one, as you know, all songs start out with a different name. And this one started out as Slow Dance. Uh, I had some program drums. And all I had was a guitar with a ton of tremolo on it and just that simple backbeat to keep time. Uh, Speaking of program drums, I'm going to take those away from you, I think. No, the program drums are critical to our success. (laughs) And um, one day, I mean, maybe soon, you'll be dead of old age and we'll need a drummer. And he exists within my Ableton. (laughs) That kind of worries me because he's there now. So if I start sucking. It's, it's all part of getting rid of you. But th- so this demo is called Slow Dance, and let's play a little bit of it right now.
All right, so there you go. And you hear that that tremolo in it, which guitarist, you'll kind of know what I'm talking about. I'm not going to try to mimic that sound like the sounds I tried to in the last episode. So that tremolo sound, it's kind of that going in and out, that back and forth with that guitar. And the guitar kind of had that lilt to it that it felt like a slow dance to me. You know, it's not in 3-4, which is really that perfect uh, dancing time signature, but just that that ebb and flow. And with the trim, it, it draws you in uh, into this feel of a dance. And really, those guitars and the demo, that's the final version. I wrote this song very quickly, the music for it. And I think maybe 15 minutes, 20 minutes, uh, came together very fast, and I didn't change them. In the final, I lessened the tremolo just a little bit, but otherwise, that those are the final guitars. And after that, I sent it to Mr. Lance. What'd you do on this one? Yeah, it's it, what's always impressive to hear is the final one is the one you sent so early on. I always assumed when you'd send those little sampler tracks that you would go back and clean it up or something but it's funny how you you play a good solid little line and I get used to it and I'm assuming you're okay with the quality and it's fun that you do do that and you keep the originals but you know this is another song where you know this isn't a bass song right so I'm not going to try to create anything crazy um, I need to find something that fits and it has to complement um, and I don't know if I'm spoiling the surprise here but we added cello on this song, which I'm sure we'll get to later, but I don't know. Personally, for me, it's like one of my favorite sounds on planet Earth. And so I, I think this is the second song, correct me if I'm wrong, that we included this. We did Voyeuristic before where we brought in a cello line. and um, That is correct. Same guy as well? Same or guy, Stephen Schumann. Hell of a player. it's a lady. Yeah, no, he's solid. Um and so on this song, I it, it was funny. I felt like he, in her first song, when we used him in Voyeuristic, he was trying to just fit in with us. Maybe he was just kind of bashful and wanted to compliment the song. And we'll get to that later. But this song, I felt like he really, like it was like a bandmate almost. Like he, he had a nice line and it was unique and it complimented the song beautifully. He created his own sound. And... I, you know, for me, I didn't have to do too much. I just wanted to kind of play along with what we were doing and not stand out. But it's one of those sounds where if it's not there, you'd notice it. But I wanted to try to be in the ether, as you like to say, Eric, um, and just kind of support the whole project of what this song was trying to do. And the cello, to me, is one of the, just the standout lines that kind of just really plays well with what I'm doing. I have to say, Lance, that your bass line on this was amazing. Wow. It's really it's really good. I love the melodic and I think we talked about this before in other episodes, your melodic bass playing, which is one of my favorite things to hear um, as a drummer is a melodic bass player personally. But uh, your your bass line on this is just so nice and I feel like when the song starts, I'm 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 writing on the bass line while I'm listening to the vocal. It's very nice. Well, thank you. I, you probably can't see I'm blushing here from Utah, but um, but why why do you say that as a drummer? I've, you know, when you first I don't know if we've already talked about this in previous episodes, but you had texted early on in our projects about my melodic playing, and I didn't know if to take that as an insult or not um, at the time. Obviously, I know how you really feel. But why as a drummer do you say that as a melodic bass line? Does, what does that do for a drummer? I don't know about other guys, but for me, like, so my brother plays exactly the same way. He plays real melodic. And so I'm used to hearing that. And I guess from a drummer's perspective, there's two ways of playing bass. There's just playing the bottom end, kind of like a groove, and my bass drum's going to follow your, uh, your part or whatever you're doing. Or there's the other way where you play more of a melodic uh, piece and uh, that gives actually me more space if I want to take it rather than having to lock into something you're doing. Makes sense. But um, I just really like that. And just, just the way it, the song starts, the words, you know, slow dance with me. Then there's that bass line that kind of slides in there and then takes you on the ride. Awesome. 
<laughs> well, thank you, Tommy. It's interesting, you know, that you brought up the cello. Uh, Voyeuristic was one of those songs where we'd already kind of put down tracks and in thinking what was going on, you know, the idea came, hey, you know, maybe we'll put some strings here. And the idea for cello came to mind. With Chasing After Memories, cello was always part of the equation. Uh, even on the demo, there's a part where I left, I left space for an actual cello solo, which Stephen just absolutely nails. And we'll, I mean, we'll talk more about the cello a little later, but yeah, it was always there. And one of the few things that I don't think I'm used to coming up with ideas that soon in advance for additional instruments. Usually I'm thinking of us, just the guys in the band, but you know, this needed cello and it's for a very specific reason that we will get to a little later, but uh, kind of to springboard what Tommy said, yeah, Lance, your bass playing, you downplay it, which is wrong and horrible and evil because it's a beautiful line. Uh, again, your your mastery of melody, to be alliterative, is is wonderful, and your line dances mm-hmm. within this song, just like the lyrics do, just like the tremolo on the guitar does just like the cello does. This song is a dance in song form. Literally, Slow Dance was its original name. Yeah, and <laughs> it was one of the few where the working title uh, had so much to do with the song. I mean, like the last song we talked about in the last episode, you've got Groove Horse, and yeah, it had a little bit of groove, but that Slow Dance was integral to that song. So after bass... You were up, Tommy. Tell us what you did there, sir. I am up. Okay, so this song did not have lyrics when I recorded it. And I'm kind of quirky about that because I build my drum parts around not only the music, but also the lyrics. And I'll bring that up in future episodes, especially Voyeuristic Symphony. But this song didn't have lyrics. So I'm going off of the chord changes in my head not in my head that are really there as I'm making parts in my head. So this song ended up from a drum part, in my opinion, more like a Broadway song or something you would hear uh, in a musical because there's a cymbal crash almost on every chord change, especially in the choruses, which is not something I would normally do, but that's what I heard and that's what I had to work with at the time. So it's kind of more like a, uh, you know, like a Broadway drum part, in my opinion, because that actually happens a lot in, in uh, show tune music is there's lots of cymbal crashes and just on the downbeats and simple playing, which is uh, kind of what I did on this. It's pretty simple. I didn't cr- get too crazy. But I will say, uh, during the cello solo, the part I'm playing was inspired by Cinderella, Nobody's Fool. <laughs> really? Wow. Yeah. That's a hell of a song. Uh, I I did not. I am learning this for the first time, and that is actually really cool. So, yeah, in that part, it has, uh, and I've always liked that song. It's got the kick drum on the E of four right after the snare drum, and if you listen to uh, the song Chasing After Memories, which I'm sure you have, during that part, there's the bass drum comes in right after the snare drum on the E of four, which I took from that part in Cinderella's Nobody's Fool. Well, I got to say, like, you, again, I don't know if it's the downplaying of how we all do this, but yeah, it's a, it's a simpler song, but it has to be so delicate from a drummer's perspective, and you beautifully support all the little changes, and you do, you hit those cymbals or crash or whatever on, like, the end of each little phrase, and it just supports the whole song so well. And it keeps it going and kind of drives it through, even though we're doing some different feels and there's more dynamics in this song than maybe others. And uh, your drums are always just consistent and smooth and supports everything that's going on, no matter if it's cello or keys or whatever that's going on. So well done, my friend. Oh, well, thank you. I appreciate it. And of course, this has got, since it's a ballad, it has like rock and roll ballad two beat fill number one in it. (laughs) You know, it's like, 
nothing fancy, just fills that work, and everybody's heard them a million times, and so it just is what the song uh, took. And also, I have to say, uh, in Eric's programming, there's that little part in the cello solo also with the snare drum that has a little rough on the E of four going down into the downbeat. That was actually in Eric's demo program in the intro. And I liked what that was. I just didn't like it there. So I took it and I moved it to a different part. So that whole cello solo is inspired by Cinderella and Eric Beeger programming. See, never mock my program drums again. <laughs> I, I spend seconds going over those. <laughs> One, two, sometimes, cool. sometimes three seconds coming up with, with those backbeats so I stay in time. <laughs> right. Well, I did take some of your inspiration from the programming that you did for Echoes Down the Road. Oh, cool. Which we'll get to in that part, too. So, uh, yeah, so I kind of take inspiration from different things and, and actually I could probably name something in every song. And I guess I've been doing that so far that where I've been inspired by another song. And so Cinderella, nobody's fool inspired the part during the cello solo. Those are really cool tidbits of information. I think this is one where you really nailed, uh, not playing the drums, but playing the song. And for ballads, that's especially tough uh, because, right. I mean, uh, as talented as you are, I know the, the call of the wild to throw in <laughs> some amazing lick, you know, is, is strong, but you played the song in this perfectly. You could not have done a better job. Well, thank you. Uh, you know, a good friend of mine, Bermuda Schwartz, he's the drummer for Weird Al. Uh, that's kind of his thing that he tells people is play the song, not the drums. And so when I first heard him say that, I'm like, wow, that is really heavy. So whenever I play too much, which happens a lot, I kind of harken back to that. And I think, okay, I need to play the song and not the drums. Cause that's one thing as a, I'm not a young musician anymore, but when I was, you know, you want to put every lick in every song. And I don't know if that's the case with bass players and guitar players, but uh, as you get older and seasoned, then you know, okay, I don't need to play everything in every song. And uh, sometimes you just need to play less. Because I hate that phrase, less is more, because less is never more. But it's still less. Sometimes it is. <laughs> less is always less, but, um, you know. But you're right. Sometimes sometimes it's just it just is, works out better that way. Yeah, so it's got to fit. That was this song. And other than not having lyrics, which for me is a little difficult to actually create a consistent and cohesive drum part. Uh, it turned out fantastically. And it's funny because you talk about Lance that uh, the way I backed up the cello solo, well, that obviously wasn't there when I recorded it. Uh, that came in later. So it's good to know that maybe the cello guy played around what I had. <laughs> and maybe he's the reason it sounds so good and not me. You know, I think it's just a perfect combination of musicians being respectful, you know, of, of putting the song first rather than your own part. And, you know, kind of what you said, I mean, we're seasoned musicians. I, I won't use the term old, but, <laughs> but we are seasoned musicians. We've been through this. You know, when you're coming up, yeah, in my 20s, playing clubs on the Sunset Strip, I wanted to play all the notes. Every single one, twice, sometimes three times. And now as you get older and you become more of a, a craftsman in songs, you, you just realize that maybe that those one or two things say so much more than a slew of Ingve 64th notes. It's kind of like Kevin and not what you say, but what you don't say. Kevin, <laughs> why don't you say something? <laughs> Wait, hold on. Kevin's on this podcast? Huh. He was. Did we lose him? I don't know. Hey. There he is. <laughs> I think it's actually time for Kevin to talk about his part. Yeah. We've beat the drum part into the ground. <laughs> yeah, let's so, to speak. so let's move on. The the final piece of this. Well, there's the cello, mm -hmm. which uh did you have was the cello there when you played, Tommy? It wasn't. No. Okay. 
No. And Kevin was the cello there when you played. Was not. So then let's move on to Kevin. And I have plenty to say about Kevin, but the only guy that speaks more than me is probably Kevin. <laughs> and and we're going to let him do that right now. So Kevin, tell us about your parts on this song. Sure, man. Yeah. Uh, I took the approach of keeping the, the cellist in mind, of course. I, I wanted to kind of take a back seat, if you will, um, melodically, and just have him uh, take the lead along with the bass and the drums, of course. Uh, a lot of what I play is following not only Eric's lyrics, but Lance's bass. Um, and of course, the, the electronic drums kind of helps me keep time. That's about it. But having the the nuances that Tommy brings um, really helps uh, give the accents to to my playing as well. So uh, I think I don't know. I, I I thought for this track I didn't want to overplay as always and just keep the the cellist in in the foreground and be more of an ambient sound or color, uh, if you will. That's Kevin, ladies and gentlemen. Deep waters. Few words, but so much meaning. There is nothing shallow about that man. And mm -hmm. so I'm going to brag about you, Kevin, and people won't be able to see you turn red. But you're playing, not only do you play guitar on this track, which you'll hear, it's very ambient, it's very colorful. And I mean, really, like we've said in other episodes, Kevin has this ability to play one, two, four, five notes and take a song from good to great. And he not only does that here with his guitar, but also with his keys. Uh, and we're going to play those right, we're playing them right now while I'm talking. The minimalism is such an important part of music, and you hear this in the key section. Uh, sometimes only one note is needed over a beat or two or three he's not busy he's creating this soundscape that lays in the song so perfectly that again it adds to the dance feel it adds to that lilt to the ebb and flow to to the steps that you need to turn this from something that you're just doing from memory to this beautiful created piece of art and your keys kevin I mean, they're amazing. You don't, so if you don't know, Kevin and I do the keys and the synth for the band. Uh, when they sound really good, that's Kevin. When they're <laughs> filling up space and I'm playing chords, that's me. But Kevin does not get enough credit for how good he is. And I don't know if you remember, but when you did the keys section to this, you left a little extra on the end of your keys track. <laughs> that's right. And we're good. And we're going to play that right now. Okay, so that's what he did in his noodling. And that is calling upon my vast knowledge of classical music not that you told me during the break uh that's chopin is it not it is that's correct and just and to be just, clear it's not chopin you know it's not not chopin sure. as, as lance would call it even chopin. i know the, the that it's chopin drank elysian beer <laughs> yep i just want to make sure that's clear <laughs> But oh. so this is what he does. He sends me this track of minimalistic piano, just beautiful in its almost nothingness, and then launches into Chopin after the song when no one except for me is listening. But of course, we save everything. So that is in the archives, and now people know how good you are. No, you cannot get paid more. Oh, no. So yeah, I know it's tough. Whatever 20% <laughs> of nothing is, that's exactly what we'll give you. Exactly. And so now we've got this bass, and we go back to the cello. You know, like we talked about earlier, Stephen Schumann, he's, he's our go-to cellist. He played on Voyeuristic Symphony, and he nails this one. Uh, again, taking a song from good to great, 
It's all these added things that you put into these songs that in your head, or at least in my head, I heard the cello there the entire time. And when I got it back from him, it's, I'm not, I'm not the crying sort. That's, that's Lance. He weeps daily. Yep. But, but when I got this back, I, I almost got a little misty because it was beautiful. That's probably exactly what you were hoping for, too. And like what's in your head for somebody else to match that. Pretty impressive. Like I said, he really fit this song as opposed to the first time. I think he just kind of filled in, but he really just took it and went with it. And damn, is it tasty. Oh, yeah. When, as an artist, when you, when you don't have the ability to do certain things and play cello, that's an ability I do not have. But I can hear it. You know, I hear it in my head. And I, I don't tell him what notes to play. I give him a feel, and I let him play to his expertise, as all the guys in the band do. I don't play drums. I let Tommy play to his expertise. I, I play very minimal bass. It's not good. But I let Lance do that, and I let Kevin and Dave do that, because they're the experts. You know, it may be in my skull somewhere, and I can kind of direct certain things, but I want their natural talent to come out, because that's what makes a song great. The mark of a great songwriter is knowing that you're not great at everything and then allowing others to be great for you. And, and I would that's imagine, definitely Eric to be open to the things that you can't hear that come along with working with other humans. I mean, like you said, you've got to let us do our thing and you've been pretty awesome about that most of the time except every now and then with Tommy, of course. Well, it's it's Tommy, you know. <laughs> It's Tommy. But yeah, Steven needed very little coaching and just laid down the perfect track. His solo is amazing. And w musically, the song, it was a piece of cake. This song came together so quickly, especially, you know, in the middle of the debacle that was Denmark, which was taking us weeks. I want to say, what, week and a half, two, the music was all done for this? Yeah, that seems yeah, even long. I think yeah, I think I did my part in uh, two takes, actually. Yeah, a couple of days for me. Yeah, a day probably for me. And that's, you know, that's when it gets good. Okay, so let's move on to vocals and lyrics. And to do that, we're going to go back. We're going to go back a long time to about 1998. I was the singer and guitarist in a band called God Complex. I had not been graced with the glorious presence of Tommy yet. Tommy joined in, what year was it? 2000? Nine, yeah, 99, 2000, somewhere in there. 99. So, But you definitely remember this. I had written a song for my fiance, and it was called Two Hearts. And, but what the heck? We're going to play a little bit of that right now. Five minutes till curtain was sold out. The characters are in place Two hearts A savior And a song I sang to you Little poet With the Leonard Cohen eyes Unexpected So that was a song that me, as a 20-something, wrote for my fiance. It's uh, young, it's got heart, it's exciting, it's about young love, and, you know, the future at that point is just a canvas of possibilities. So fast forward, I end up marrying this beautiful girl, and I wanted to do something special again. So chasing after memories is a 20th wedding anniversary gift to my bride. I know I probably don't sound that old. Tommy does. I don't. But, you know, this was the gift I wanted to give her. And I think as you look at the song as a whole, you know, you definitely see that uh, it's from the perspective of someone that's been in an extremely long-term relationship here, you know, 20 years of marriage. Uh, even the timbre of my voice from Two Hearts, where I sound extremely young. I always sound a little younger singing than I sound talking. 
But I said, I'm very young in two hearts, and there's just a fascinating difference. And it sends a different message also that I in no way could have conveyed 20 years ago. Uh, so with this one, I started actually with the bridge. And I had some lyrics, and they just weren't working. So I did what any normal songwriter would do. I said, well, I'll sing it in French. Huh. Wait, 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 wait. You don't know French. Yeah, that is very astute of you, Tommy. I, I do <laughs> not know any French. And all I had was Google Translate, which I don't trust all that much. So <laughs> I, I, I had Google my I had my the English words I wanted to say, but they they just didn't have that uh, je ne sais quoi, so to speak. See what I did there? You see? Yeah. I, I know. Oh, now you can suddenly parlez-vous français. Yeah, well, you know, a little bit maybe. I'll, I've just learned from you know probably movies over the years. So they didn't have that, and there's something about French. I I. I speak Spanish. I do not speak French at all. Uh, but there's something very beautiful about the language that just kind of draws you in, especially when it's sung. And so I sent out feelers. I think I put a post on Facebook. I said, hey, if you speak French, send me a message because I need your help. And I got... But send it in English. Yeah, send it, send it in English too. And I got, I got four different responses. And I got four different translations. And they were different, even though I asked for the same thing. So then, you know, I did some studying as well. And I ended up going with uh, 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 this one woman and who's a French teacher. And it just turned out perfectly. And I will butcher it probably, but it's that nous avons fait vingt ans, savons vingt de plus. Je suis à toi et tu es à moi. And it... It, to sing, it was so much fun. And that's the first thing I laid down on the song. I had no English lyrics at this time. Interesting. And I, I remember I had her, I said, please put it. Uh, I'm going to butcher the translation, so please do a wave of it and send it to me so I can kind of say it, you know, closely. But, you know, that's at the time, that's, that's all I had. Did you, Eric, did you know that that was going to be the bridge when you said you started with that section or to just become yeah. the bridge? No, it, it, at that part, it was always the bridge. Okay. And it just, it just had that feel for it. I, I didn't want to start off with French. Uh, like originally writing the song, I, I toyed with the idea of bringing in uh, a female vocalist to do that part. But because I was writing the song for my wife, uh, that just wasn't the way to go. It'd be a little awkward. Yeah. If I were going a different way, maybe, but <laughs> it would have sounded much prettier than, than I can sing. I tried to sing it with as much uh, grace and dignity as I could because it was such a sweet line. And and the line, uh, you know, translated, it just, it says, uh, we've got 20 down. Let's do 20 more. I am yours and you are mine. You know, that no one has any business singing that except for me. And that's why I, I sang it, even though my French is suspect. Uh, but you have some French teachers in your life. Do you not, Lance? Yeah, and I wanted to go back to what you were saying. Like My sister-in-law, she speaks pretty good French. I mean, she's been to France a few times and studied it. And one thing I do know about French from her is... There's similar to English, but it's so much more complex in French where certain words or phrases can mean almost anything, even though they're literally the same word. And it's generally due to context. Like you were saying earlier, the context of you got these different translations and you got to find which one fits right. Um, and so anyways, when this song, we finished it and you had the lyrics and you shared it with us or whatever... I uh, or maybe we just finished the song. I can't remember, but I I shared it with a French teacher that I've worked with for almost eight years at a couple of different schools, and I just I just threw it to him. I said, "Hey, listen to this. My buddy's never spoke a word of French in his life. Uh, tell me how he did." And at the time, I didn't actually look at the lyrics, so I didn't know what the heck they meant. So he got back to me. I don't know later that night. He was grading papers or something, and his initial text was, "It's pretty decent." I understood him, but the second half of the first sentence was a little tough to make out. 
And as a teacher, he's, he's so critical. He's like, I give him a B. And I thought, hey, that's pretty good. It's a 3.0. That's passing. You know, I'll for take his... a B. That'll get you into college. Yeah. It's okay. So he was you know, pretty complimenting. And then a few minutes later, without prompting, because he loves music, and he ended up listening to the song like, repeatedly. And so, I don't know, four or five minutes later, he, uh, he wrote like all caps. He's like, we've put in 20 years. Let's do another 20 question mark. So then I looked at the lyrics finally at that point, and it's pretty darn close. We've got 20 down, and, and his contextual definition from what you said was, we've put in 20 years. So again, I think that's a French thing, right? Like, you give this lady your English, right. she's going to spit something back, and I would say, you give it to five different people, they're going to say slightly different things. And then he said, let's do another 20, question mark, and he's asking me, like I know anything about French, and your line is, let's do 20 more. So again... The context is there. It's just not exactly a perfect translation, but I think that's just French. So then he's, he said it took him six, seven tries. And and uh, so I said, okay, six, seven tries. That means what? Now it's a B minus? Like what's going on here? And he's like, no, no, <laughs> no. I give a B plus or an A. He really loved it. Um, I, and I don't even know what the word is, Eric. The R in savant? Savant. Uh, what, what is that word in that line anyways? I, I believe it means like to serve that do another 20 years. And oh. I, if you speak French, correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, maybe it doesn't mean to serve, but that, the idea of that, how I think of it is, I mean, that kind of works in marriage, doesn't it? Totally. Now, what we do as spouses, uh, we're here to serve, not, not, to, not to rule over God, no, or just to kill time. We're here to serve our spouses. And I actually love that word, even if it doesn't mean what I think it means. Just the beautiful idea of servant. Uh, I think it does s- mean what you think, though. Cause I, I hope so. Cause I mean, he, it sounds like it, right? Yeah, because his name is Will Fritz, by the way. Hopefully you're listening to this at some point, Will. But- hey, Will, thanks for the A-. minus. <laughs> <laughs> he he said, I started calculating the possibilities because that R threw him off on Savant. And he's like, I realized it was romantic because he's very intuitive and picks up on that stuff. So he's like, I went contextual and then bam, I figured it out. And so I thought he guessed pretty darn well on what you were hoping to say. And he's been teaching French a very long time. So I don't think I'll ever fully understand it, but um, he nailed it. And I think you should be very pleased with the grades he gave you. I, I am very happy. My, whenever you attempt to sing in a language that is not your native tongue, it's extremely frightening, especially with something as, as nuanced and detailed and beautiful as French. But, but that, uh, I, I, I was, it really made me happy uh, to hear that. And I remember when uh, my wife heard it too. Her first thought was like, you're singing in French. I'm like, yeah, just translate, you translate it too. So from there, uh, you know, I, I could not sing the whole song in French. I, I got away with my bridge. And so I went to English and I really doubled down on that theme of slow dance and how that's a beautiful metaphor for a relationship. Uh, anyone in a long-term relationship knows that, that it's a slow dance. And there's parts that are exciting, and there's parts where you're just getting through it, and there's parts where you're going to step on each other's toes. But that whole first line that uh, it was so great when Tommy sang it, but I won't let him do it again. A slow dance with me, your body pulled in tight, breath to breath and eye to eye, and I can't believe that you're still mine. Uh, that just kind of set up uh, the lyrics to this. And this was these were written fast as well. Uh, apart from the bridge... The rest of the song, 15 minutes. And that's not anything on me. That just means it was a testament for me to write about my relationship with my wife, and it came out easy. Because after 20 years, I know exactly how I feel about her. And that idea of the chorus I love, just, I'll give you an anthem so free with possibility. All we can do is sing until the stars fall from the sky. Now, there's, there's a little uh, nod to Ryan Adams, to the song of uh, When the Stars Go Blue, you know, but in his song, those are stars dying, obviously, when they go blue. But we're singing until the stars fall from the sky. That's, that's an eternal thing. You know, that idea that, you know, going back to the French, the I am yours and you are mine. Another line, 
stolen from the Bible. The Bible has the greatest lines for songs. Uh, Song of Solomon, is that it? Ecclesiastes? No, it's not yep. Ecclesiastes. Well, Song he, of Solomon, right? I yeah, know in your mind. He wrote both, but yeah. Yeah. So, you know, stealing from that, that, I'm just going to keep reading that. Tighten your hand and mind will spin and spin around like two kids chasing after memories that haven't happened yet. There's just something about that, that idea of, I love juxtaposition in my songs. I love kind of dichotomies. And the idea of chasing after memory that you haven't had yet, I just want to kind of put that in the listener's mind. I mean, what does that mean? What does that look like? What the hell is he saying? It's lovely, though. No, thanks, Lance. I appreciate it. Well, I think Solomon wrote that. But <laughs> no, I'm I, glad you I stole wrote, it. I, I wrote that one. I wrote <laughs> Chasing After Memories. Don't give Solomon no. all my good lyrics, man. Yeah, he's... Yeah, he he gets I am yours and you are mine. He can have that one. But Chasing After yeah. Memories is all me, baby. No, I love that. It's a great i mean and and you do this a lot with your lyrics where they speak to people differently right where it has multiple meetings and that's the dichotomy you're kind of talking about and it's very cool it's very cool it gives depth what did it mean to you lance what did it mean to you you know i the phrase to me is is more like memories of of old dreams right so they they might not be an actual memory of something that happened but it's maybe something you thought of when you were younger and your hopes and dreams and you're kind of always chasing after that. And that can be a sad thing, but it's also can be a motivating thing to kind of go after something that you're passionate about and not giving up after that and just keep move, keep pursuing it. Which, but that's kind of how it hit me. But I, and then when you gave me the context of 20 years of marriage, clearly it's kind of enjoying those memories, reliving them, not forgetting them, which is also a beautiful way of kind of reflecting. So that's why I think for me, it definitely thinks more of, I'm going to chase after memories of things that I've always wanted to do, kind of regrets maybe. So I'm going to keep trying to pursue those dreams. Well, and that's good. And I mean, when I wrote a song, I mean, granted, I have my truth, but far be it for me to put my truth on the listener and say, you have to have this as well. That's one of the great things about art is, yeah, I write with my state of mind and what I mean, but I tend not to go into those meanings too much. We do on the podcast just because that's kind of a little special time. But I want people to take that and, you know, find your truth in these lyrics. If it means something different to you, great. That's exactly what I want for you. You know, I want you to be able to hear something and have it strike you in a different way. I know Tommy, uh, we've kind of talked about this a little and that, you know, you'll put up lyrics on Facebook or something and it'll strike you in a different way. That's right. Actually, in this song, um, what I like about it, and we've talked about this uh, in yesterday's, is the the cadence of the song and the rhythm. And so a couple of, well, there's, there's, you mentioned, I think you've said all these anyway, but the, uh, at the, um, the, I can't believe, or though the breath to breath and I, to I and I, I like that kind of turning around where you kind of have to like, well, what, what was that? You know, you kind of have to stop and think about what you just, what you just heard. So that kind of thing, playing on the words, the rhythm, the cadence uh you've also mentioned like two kids chasing after memories and then, how you sing it i love that it's like that haven't happened yet <laughs> and you just kind of let that hang out there like that and i just kind of like like that it's like yeah haven't happened yet and that's just a real positive a positive thing and then um the final thing that i really like is the end where you have the double chorus, but you don't repeat the chorus and you have, I'll give you an anthem. So free possibility and all we can do is sing until the stars fall, which would normally be followed by from the sky, but until the stars fall. And then you start another chorus with different words we haven't heard yet. And we'll dance beyond imagination. The, the same two hearts, but a better song. So there's a play on your old song, uh, two hearts that I'll sing and then until the stars fall from the sky. So you have like a double chorus, but the second part of that chorus, we haven't heard yet. 
and then you finish it off with the very last line that we have heard. So you're putting a little bow on the package, and it's fantastic. Thank you, Tommy. I I mean, yeah, you you kind of nailed it, especially that last the second chorus. Uh, we have the throwback, of course, to two hearts, uh, and there's the high harmony on there too, which is the throwback to the uh, the last chorus of two hearts uh, that that we played earlier. We haven't we haven't played the last chorus. Ah, uh, hell, I'll play it right now. Listen to this. Okay, so you hear in that chorus, that's got the high harmony on it. And I wanted to call back to that in the harmony that I do on Chasing After Memories. So everything kind of calls back to that song. Uh, in Two Hearts, there's this really long Ebo solo in the middle. And you know what? We're, we're older. We're more sophisticated. I didn't have to play an Ebo. We got a cello, which is much better than an Ebo. And that works here. So, yeah, you kind of see how this song points to how two hearts points to chasing after memories, how it's the obvious extension. Now, what am I going to do for 40 years? I don't know. Hopefully I'm still making music. I better damn well be, you know, Tommy, Tommy will be with the Lord, but uh, Kevin and Lance, (laughs) they'll, they'll be here. So we'll still be doing something. Yeah. In 20 years, Kevin and Lance will be almost as old as we are now. Wow. (laughs) Now, now that's interesting, Kevin. Expand on that thought. Yes. <laughs> I, uh, I, I mean, I've always wanted to say, I just want to thank you for letting us all be a part of, you know, this, your story and letting you paint that, that picture so eloquently and, and letting us frame your painting. <laughs> see, see, this is why I like Kevin better than you guys. Now, thank you, Kevin. That's it's very sweet. Uh, you know, it's the listeners probably don't know, but I mean, the guys that you're hearing, these are guys that I've been friends with for, well, Lance and I have known each other since high school, and Tommy a little bit after that, and Kevin a little bit after that. But we've got years and years of relationship, you know, between especially the four of us. Chapters of history. Chapters of history. And I think you can hear that in West of House songs. Uh, You can hear the trust. You can hear the the respect and the ability to create with these guys, my best friends, is amazing. And then for them to join me, and especially on a song as personal as this for me, uh, for my bride, that's it's a wonderful gift. And they not only did it justice, they made it better than I could ever have imagined. And let's take that thought and let's play the song. So here you go. Here is Chasing After Memories.
so there you have it. That was Chasing After Memories. We thank you for joining us on this beautiful journey of this beautiful song. It's very special to us and especially to me. And we appreciate it. Uh, so next episode, we're going to crank it up a bit. Whoop, whoop. And we will be tackling Moving Shadows. And Oh, what a great song. Yes, such a great song. The oldest West of House song written in 2015 in one day. And there may even be a demo out there. Who knows? But Dave will be joining us for that one. That's right. And that will be fun. Who knows? Will Kevin come back? We don't know. Even if he does, we might not know. <laughs> he might have been on the last ones. We just don't know it. It's true. You didn't, you didn't hear him in the back? We'll never it's know. like, where's Waldo? So we'll be tackling Moving Shadows. Uh, great song. Great video. We'll be talking about all of that. Uh, in the meantime, check us out. Uh, you can stream our music on Spotify, Apple Music, Tidal, iHeartRadio, Pandora, anywhere you listen to music. Please give us a listen. If you want to support us, you can buy the digital album on Bandcamp at westofhouse.bandcamp.com. Uh, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. West of House Band is our name. Check us out there. Leave us a message. We will interact with you because we love you. And damn it, we just need some attention. But we'll be happy <laughs> to chat with you. You can dig deeper into these episodes. Uh, we would love to talk to you. And you can find us on YouTube, find our videos on there. Just search West of House, and voila, we will appear. So, with that said, we thank you for joining us on Chasing After Memories. Gentlemen, do you have anything else to add? No, just thank you guys for joining in. Yeah, no, this is good. This is uh, this is good times. Yes. Right, Kevin? Wow. <laughs> the depth of Kevin. <laughs> At the end of all our uh, episodes, I want to count the words that Kevin has said. If it's over 100, I will pay you each $20. One, two, three, <laughs> four, five, six. No, those don't count. <laughs> all right, well, thank you, folks. Words. Have a wonderful day, night, morning, evening, and we will see you in the next episode. Bye-bye. You're probably gonna have to edit it out. Nice. Yeah, it's because of that that fruit beer. Oh, it's so good. Smurf beer. It's it's puckery. Smurf beer.